I'm Evelyn Glennie, and you're listening to the Evelyn Glennie Podcast. Welcome back to my podcast. In this episode, I'll be chatting to the incredible musician and comedian Bill Bailey. So without further ado, let's get listening. I've got to say, uh, I was just talking about them, but I very much admire your branded coasters. These, I mean, come on. You've got your own coaster. I mean, that is... I'm surprised you haven't struck it yet to see whether it's going to break because it's made of slate, you know. So that's maybe why I've only got two. Oh, they're very nice, but they have a nice sort of felt backing. They do. So it doesn't sort of... Slide away. And it doesn't make a, you know, a kind of clanging noise on the... Oh, on that's the... unfortunate. I need oh. something to make a noise. <laughs> <laughs> there we okay. are. Oh, so we met very briefly and yes. unexpectedly at um, a fundraising event in London for the Great Ormond Street Hospital Sight and Sound Centre, which they're building. And I had just finished playing for a few moments and went off stage and there was this commotion of waiters and waitresses, you know, with all the food and so on and lo and behold, you just appeared. Yes. And we had never met before. No, that's right. What possessed you to sort of appear like that? And Well, firstly, I I must admit that can I say that I'm a huge fan and it seems that (laughs) I I can't believe that we hadn't met until that time, Mm. that rather odd encounter. (laughs) But... um, But uh, I was there um, supporting the charity, which I have done for many, many years. Mm. In fact, I I remember I found a programme of me performing with a band uh, that I got together, a a Latin American band, a 13-piece band, where we played... Not the Famous Five. Not the Famous Five, no. (laughs) No, this was was after them. This Mm. was... um, uh, We played at the the Royal Lancaster Hotel, and it was a, a fundraiser for... For uh, gosh, as yes, the as the acronym yes. has it, and um, and I so I've I've had a long association with them, and I was there with a group of friends, and I my contribution was actually a drawing, uh, oh. because I've taken up drawing in the last few years, and um, it's one of those things I found myself I have an affinity for, and so I uh, I drew a bee. Um, I love insects and bees being one of them so I'd drawn this bee and uh, it was auctioned amazing um, to, to raise amazing. money for the for the charity Fantastic. so but anyway that was the reason I was there and when yeah. I when I heard you play and I thought oh well, I must come and say hello mm. and then of course it became a bit, bit more difficult than I imagined because it was a lot of as you say there was a lot of traffic in Heavens. and out people yes. carrying food and yes yes <laughs> well I was in a holding pen yes actually upstairs and it was equally busy with with that's right. Waiters and waiters, and so. Yes, yeah, so, sorry was, to sort of, you know. No, it was fantastic. Posed myself on you like that. It, it was fantastic, and I mean, I think we've we've got quite a lot in common because we're roughly the same age. Mm. Um, although you finally decided when you were born. Yeah. How did th- I mean? Why why was this an issue? It's not as though you're, you know, you were born sort of in the eighteen hundreds or something. No, you, that's right. Or are assuming. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm a reincarnation of yes. an ancient spirit. Uh, <laughs> list, actually, you look quite well, like right. list. I th- yes, a bit, bit, bit of list. Yes, yes, <laughs> I know. I thought that actually. Um, uh, 
No, it was one of those odd things, you know, somebody got the date wrong once yeah. and it makes its way onto Wikipedia and that's it. Yeah. That's pretty much, you know, mm. you have to fight it. Mm. <laughs> and then, of course, once it gets on Wikipedia, all the newspapers, that's where their go-to information about you is. So they then print it in all the papers. So then it becomes that. And so I would get these two birthdays. I'd, it was brilliant. <laughs> For years, I'd have my own, my actual birthday, and then all these people sending me gifts. Oh, happy birthday! No, it was it was you missed it by a month. Yeah, so, that's amazing, um, amazing. And with the world of um, social media, what it is, you know, the, the the information like that just it almost gets into the bloodstream of the internet. You can't remove it. Mm. Well, one thing I'm very glad that uh, uh, has gone is um, I don't know if you know, but it was a few years ago now, about three years ago. Um, I, it was on Twitter uh, that I died, oh. and um, uh, and it, it said uh, uh, actor comedian Bill Bailey sadly passed away. Uh, tributes coming in, brilliant. <laughs> and I read oh, this. I was in my hotel room, funny, and I was looking at this, and um, my uh, tour manager um, he uh, just he, called you up to check. He phoned me up. He said, but he phoned me. I said, are you all right? <laughs> I said, "Well, I'm not dead, so clearly I'm I'm winning on that score." But um, it turned out it was a DJ in Kentucky called Bill Bailey, oh. and it had come in onto the into the BBC late yes. at night, and someone slightly bleary-eyed had seen Bill Bailey and oh, just put this press release out, yes. and then realised the mistake, but yes. not fast enough for the screenshotters of Twitter. Yeah, and it's funny because Bill Bailey isn't an unusual name. But yet no. there is only one Bill Bailey. You well, know. that's well. There is. There's actually no. There's actually two Bill Baileys. Um, you know the lead singer of Guns N' Roses, Axl Rose. Ah. His real name is Bill Bailey. Ah, oh, how interesting. So uh, yeah. So there's mm. something that. Uh, so you've never thought about going back to your original name of Mark. Um, Mark Robert. <clears throat> Mark Robert. No, I mean the thing is, uh, it's so much part of of me now who I am my name and my yeah. comedy is just it's it's synonymous with that so it'd be diff- I think it'd be quite difficult to yes to kind of reclaim my original name so many people know me as Bill now I just I feel like I am a Bill yep you know? yep I mean um, even saying Billy doesn't sound right at all no, Billy Bailey <laughs> Billy Bailey I know because <laughs> then you could be a man or a woman a Billy Bailey that's right that's right it could be yes could yes be. but I mean when I look through you know, all of the things you've done, which is just absolutely enormous. I feel as though in my own situation, I've been sleepwalking God. in comparison. No. You know, no, truly, truly. It's just it's just so interesting. I suppose, you know, reading about the variety of things and and also, I suppose, the perseverance, because I think that what we have when we're standing up in front of an an audience is this kind of I suppose resilience and toughness and Mm. and and in a way that's a kind of form of listening because when you walk off stage you're I I don't know if it happens to you but very rarely do I walk off stage and think ah well done Evelyn you know I actually you're always analyzing you're always nitpicking you're always weeding at what you're doing you're always thinking oh well back to the drawing board tomorrow and yes. I would imagine perhaps is that the same Very much for you? So. Yes, that's, that's exactly the, it, my own experience uh, and that is that um, I am my most 
uh, forensic critic of the performance. Oh, that could have been better. I could have done that. That wasn't quite right. That joke didn't quite land. If only I'd done that later, then I could have incorporated a setup, and that would have made that. You know, all of those things happen. In fact, after a show, I often just sit in my dressing room for it could be an hour or two, mm-hmm. making notes on the show, mm-hmm. and um, I always have an audio. It doesn't matter whatever show it is. I have an audio of the show that I can then listen to, mm-hmm. and pick through it and listen to the, you know, parts of the show, seeing if anything could be worded in a different way. Or, you know, conversely, sometimes the routines, the words just land in a certain way that Mm. I think, ah, that's how I should have done it. Mm. You know, that's the Mm. way it should have been done. Somehow something happened, like somebody shouted out and interrupted my train of thought, but then that, that actually allowed me to step back a bit and analyse what I was doing mm. and kind of explain what I was saying about in a, in a clearer way or a more succinct way. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it, it never stops, really. So can you imagine, would there be a difference, do you think, that if you had to give, I'll call what you do, a performance, really, yeah. but without an audience... I mean, how much are you really mm. playing on that audience? You know, it's well, the that's right. There's, and there's definitely. Uh, I always say that you know, a, a comedy performance is is it's the sum of all the parts. You know, so the the words that I say, the routines, the the um, ideas that I come up with, they require the audience to respond to that, mm. and that gives it. Uh, timing it, it it makes the thing sing you know it gives it a kind of rhythm that perhaps would not have been there if it was just me talking in a room which obviously I do quite a lot just mm. to sort of try the words out but it's very much a collaborative mm. uh, process I think mm. and very often I write things will occur to me in the performance like ideas will occur to me while I'm saying something and the audience are responding to it and I and I have an idea and I think oh, that, oh of course it could go that way and yeah. so performance is very much is the key really to to what I do because it it uh, it lets you know firstly comedy is quite I mean it's pretty brutal you know it's like yes it's either it is funny or it isn't you know if there's drama or if there's poetry or if there's spoken word of any kind mm. People might internalise their reaction to it, mm-hmm. and they might sit there and they might not be enjoying it, but they they won't be letting you know. Mm. But comedy is, <laughs> is I, I get that, it's pretty yeah. sort of you know yes, <laughs> it's uh, it's quite binary. It's like no, ha no, nothing or <laughs> yes, laughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so you you there, there is and I and I talk a bit about this, you know, sometimes in the show, and that there's a sort of tyranny almost of the laugh with what you're talking about because it's mm. a comedy performance so people are expecting to laugh so it has to be funny yes so the challenge is trying to you know find subjects and um, experiences and observations that I can talk about that broaden well hopefully the the the, the sort of subject matter that mm. you can talk about in comedy while still it being an entertaining show mm. and I think what what I've observed is is that um you know everything that you address, whether it's through sound, through music, or through words, 
it's what you've experienced. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny how you know you may make a joke about a, a police siren or an ambulance siren mm. or something like like that that we we're all quite familiar yeah. with, and yet you know your take on that makes us completely listen to that in a different yes. way. I mean, something so basic and so normal that we might experience, you know several times a week or something and yeah. it suddenly you know has a different take and and we smile on that or we think oh crumbs that's really interesting yeah. you, you know and that i find really really fascinating so i suppose it's it's that observational listening skills that come together so it's it's looking it's feeling it's thinking about something yeah. that that's pretty mundane otherwise yes yes i think that's true i think that you know you mentioned the sirens i mean i think that as you say, all of these things are things that I've heard, listened to, observed. And, um, you know, part of, I suppose, the process, the creative process that leads to the comedy show is being open to those those moments, to be able to be receptive, to listen to the everyday sounds, mm-hmm. listen to, uh, I mean, and music as well. A lot of, There's a lot of music in the show, but, I mean, that's down to... Identifying certain patterns or certain kinds of music or certain kinds of sound, which perhaps we've all become very familiar with and very comfortable with, but then highlighting it and bringing it to the stage in a comedic way mm. so that you can actually see the absurdity of it, all the patterns, all the ways that this, you know, it can be, like mm. you say, the sirens, for example, you know, the, the European ones are more lyrical, you know, the British ones are quite sort of, you know, <laughs> utilitarian. <laughs> Out of the way, there's a fire, <laughs> rather than this sort of, you know, more, you know, kind of, sort yeah. of continental. <laughs> we'll have a coffee before we'll the fire. We'll have a coffee, yeah. <laughs> there's a fire, we'll, 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 we'll take our time, you know. Yeah. So, um, but that's that's uh, again part of the part of the process that has to be prepared quite a lot. I mean, you mentioned talk about you know after the show, after a performance, you're quite analytical about it. You kind of you observe you. You, you critique your own performance. Mm. And I think that with the music stuff, I, I'm probably more, um, you know, perhaps you know, more critical of that because I want it to be performed right. I think that, you know, mm. for the music, to for, the, for a, a routine to work, you have to get it right. Yes. You have, the music has to be right, the sound of it, the, the, the style, the tone, whatever it is that you're trying to pastiche or identify or, or show to an audience... You know, it has to be. You have to get that right, and um, uh, and very often those are the things that I rehearse quite a lot beforehand. Some of the comedy, maybe less so. Mm. I like to try and see how it falls out on the night. Mm. I have a, an idea, a kind of the subject I'm talking about, but you know, I, it's not fixed. Was the music and the sound sections have to be quite sort of set in stone and rehearsed? This is my theory about music, right? Do you want to know my I theory <laughs> about the, how music started? <laughs> so we've, we've got time for this. Oh, we certainly do. All right, so no, I'd be interested to know what your take on this is. How, why do we have music? Why is there music? Well, do you think... Why, do we, why are we able to do this? But, why is it possible? But, how, but do we... Well, I mean, you're so interested in wildlife and mm. insects and birds and so on. Yes. I mean, the most musical of all are the birds, surely. Yeah. But, you know, 
when you think about the rhythms of insects, you know, how mm. they use their limbs, I mean, they're incredible drummers. Yeah. So aren't we all making music of some yeah. sort? But I mean, whilst the baby's still in the womb, it's rattling ar- around there's, in that there's womb. There's a heartbeat and, and there's and how it's moving sounds, and how yeah. it's responding. And mm. I mean, isn't that music? Isn't everything music? Yeah. That's true. Well, stony silence. No, music. no, you're right. I mean, I think that my my theory is that is exactly that. It comes from the natural world, but it comes from our um, emotional response to that. Even though I don't think that our ancestors knew that that was what was happening to them. You know, like mm. forty thousand years ago, this bone flute. <laughs> was made in a in a mm. cave. They found it in Germany somewhere. Oh gosh! And it was from a vulture's wing. Oh wow! And there was two. There was a vulture's wing that had been hollowed out, and a and a mammoth tusk. Mm. And the two of them were these little flutes. And I just think that our ancestors, Homo sapiens, as opposed to Neanderthals, who were who were quite conservative, I think. They weren't that adventurous. Mm. That was their downfall in mm. the end. Mm. We listen to things, birds. We listen to wind in the trees. Mm. We listen to water rippling over rocks. Mm. And somehow that created a response, some emotion mm. in those uh, our, our, our distant cousins. But and they thought, what, what is it? It's mm. making us feel something. You know, like a, a pause, a moment of reflection in the daily fight for survival. Do you think that, you know, and I take that on board, and, and that's really interesting, but do you think that in the process of trying to hunt animals years gone by and and mm. the, the, the kind of physicality of that and then perhaps the frustration of not finding something to eat, as it were, well, would there have been this instinct to then, I don't know, beat the ground? or <laughs> you, yeah. know, you know what I mean? And, and create some sort of get your emotion through, you know, beating something, whether it's beating your own body, you know, when we think of body percussion or beating yes. the ground, beating a stone or... Something s- made a sound, together a hollow, or, something hollow. Yeah. Don't, and, oh, that and sounds then, good. Yeah. That's better than... <laughs> Yeah, Og, hit that rock. Yeah. No, 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 no. Hit that the one. Dong. Oh, that's it, that one. Why is it making that sound? <laughs> Let's get another one. Get a bigger one. Dong. Oh, wait a minute. You know, before, I you know. I don't know. It's just an idea. <laughs> you know, and he's got the full... I don't know, I mean... Oh, but it's, it's about that, I think, it's about that response that we had, that mm. we still have. Music gets us to this place... This this point where we are taken out of ourselves, mm. and I think that that's what happened to those ancestors. Mm. Something happened to them where they realised that this was just they create they mimicked in a way they'd recreated the sound that they'd heard thudding mm. hooves of a mm. prey or mm. a bird song or wind in the trees. And they're like, oh, that's great! Yeah. Do that again. Og, <laughs> sing this. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we're now when we listen to music when we listen to something which we really gets gets the blood mm. sort of pumping that that's our connection with with them yeah, yeah that's what it is to be human yes yes that's really interesting do you think technology has changed the way that you listen yes i think it has i mean i think that and and, and how you 
you know, devise your performances. Yes. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that it's made it a lot easier to, to sample and listen to sounds from all over the world that would obviously, in times gone by, have taken years and years of travel mm. to create and to collect these sounds. And now we can just, yep. you know, yep. get them in a moment. Mm. Uh, but maybe that's, you know, it's, it's a shortcut and it, it allows us a bit more of a breadth of a spectrum, a palette of sound. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not—it's never quite the same as experiencing it yourself in mm. the room, being amongst absolutely sounds or musicians or drummers from, you know, the the, the gamelan orchestras of Bali that I've just yeah. sat and you know been transported by. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes, it has. Um, I think it's—I think it's affected music generally. I yes. think that the delivery method of of, of music has has influenced music itself I yeah think. yeah I think so I mean it, it appears to me as though more people are listening to music but the feeling of music is quite a different I mean the physical feeling of music is quite mm. a different thing and I mean when when we go back and think about you know the event whereby we first met the the gosh event yeah. and the sight and sound center I mean the whole reason for that center to be built is to give the kids and their families that experience you know mm. that that a non-clinical experience so rather than reading the notes on the page you know they want to know the story and i mm. think that you know finding that story when you meet another musician or another artist or just another person you know it 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 just takes on a, a, a different dimension that I sometimes feel can be missed if you're experiencing something via mm. the internet. You know, you're missing that gut kind of yes. kind of thing. Yeah. Can't quite explain it really. But no, that's true. And I think that uh, you're missing being in an audience, you know, with yes. people and the the, the the sort of atmosphere that that creates yep. being a shared experience. Mm. You know, I think that's mm. that's a big part of it. And in fact what's encouraging is that Actually, in this age that we are, where you know you can see or hear or listen to watch anything on any, anywhere yeah. on any device, mm -hmm. but yet what you may think that oh well that means that people will just stay indoors and watch music online on their laptops. No, it's not. It's the opposite. I think is happening. Mm -hmm. More and more people want to go and see live music, live music, comedy, theatre. Any kind of live performances, numbers are up. Mm -hmm. You know, people want that mm -hmm. shared experience. Mm -hmm. mm. As it's lacking from yeah. being on your own yes. and watching it. And I think maybe it's the diversity of audiences that are coming to the events because certainly with, you know, orchestral performances, there would be a certain demographic, mm. you know, attending. But now it is quite varied, I suppose, because, as you say, folk have access to that and are kind yeah. of curious of, ooh, well go along to that you know and see yeah. but yeah. I'm just curious with your own performances if you trial them do you trial them with your family or or, or group yes of, you know sometimes. trusted people or you know sometimes I inflict them <laughs> with uh, a, you know an idea or a sound or, um, <laughs> mainly ideas and uh, my son uh, uh, is quite uh, a good sounding board He's quite a good critique of comedy. He's a, he's a big fan of comedy anyway, so he oh, watches wonderful. a lot of comedy. So he's quite 
you know, he'll say, you yeah, know, it's pretty good, or you know, <laughs> no, nah, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, so that's quite uh, it's quite handy. But the music, yeah. the set pieces, I have to just work on those in my studio on my own. Yes, and just. Um, you know, work on them and craft them because they have to arrive fully formed into the show. Uh, yes, yes, and yet they sound so spontaneous. Yeah. You know, oh, I'll just make them. I'll just, <laughs> do just make yeah. it up there and then. And, that's right. You know, and that yeah. is a skill, I must say. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yes, part of it. But so uh, if if yeah. if you got to a venue and your instruments didn't arrive, yes, would you still do the show without instruments? Yes, I have. That has happened to me. Oh, yes. heavens. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, they're just lost somewhere in transit. <laughs> and um, I, I've, sometimes I've done gigs with, you know, the promoter's got a mate who's got a keyboard. <laughs> you know, ah, you know, he's in Australia. Yeah. No, my mate. Uh, no, Darren's got a keyboard. Darren? <laughs> da- Darren, yeah, have you got a keyboard? You know, it's been a bit like that. And, you know, someone's got a guitar and, oh, you know. Gosh. You've kind of yep. cobbled together a show like that, wow. but um, sometimes yeah, I've done this sort of just spoken word yep. Yep. shows. Yes. Um, but is that have you ever, ever ever had any of your gear it, go astray? Um, I guess it's quite difficult to well, miss in there. So well, sorry. I, I do. I do slip through remember, customs. Well, I know. I think the the more embarrassing one was when I actually forgot to pack an instrument. I forgot to pack the xylophone, can you oh. believe? So it wasn't even just a small Blimey. triangle or a castanet or a maraca. It was a, a xylophone. It was a xylophone and I got off onto the road with the van and, and suddenly thought, Oh my lord, I've forgotten to Wait a so minute. we had to turn back. Where's that huge thing that I'm normally exactly uh, right. travelling around with? Most people forget a toothbrush. <laughs> Not a flipping xylophone. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, no, I don't really have many horror stories as regards to right. that, to be honest. Um, Does it affect uh, you, though, uh, the sort of the venue, like the kind of the, uh, I imagine, I mean, I often um, will go and sit in the audience uh, when the, before the audience come in, come in yeah. and sit in, a, in one of the seats somewhere and just mm. take a moment to imagine myself as part of the audience and mm. sort of try and get the atmosphere of the place and sometimes mm. and also there's a physical uh, change in some places you know when the audience come in you know you have all those bodies mm. suddenly inhabit a, a, a hall something it affects the instrument I, I mean I use a I play a theremin and the theremin <laughs> is is so sensitive yes, I mean you can is. you calibrate it perfectly when there's no one there and then suddenly all these people come in and then it They're throws moving it. it's like Ooh, and then every time they, every they sneeze, time, or, they sneeze or move or something <laughs> kill it goes, it goes off does that are you affected by that i mean are, are these quite sensitive these instruments They're only if it's real skin right um otherwise a lot of the drums have plastic heads or fiber or skins yeah. and things like that so they hold themselves pretty well but if you're playing something like an Irish boron or a, yeah. you know, an African drum or something, that, that can go a bit awry. Tummy rumbling. Pardon? Sorry, my tummy was rumbling. Oh, do you want some pasta? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, it suddenly went... Like that, I think. Blimey, that microphone has probably picked that up. And then everyone's thinking, that, that Evelyn Glennie, she, she doesn't feed anyone. She starves them. She keeps them in a room. For a week with mint tea only. Yeah, you'll only get fed when you've done the podcast, <laughs> Bailey. <laughs> Please. 
Well, you see, we're, we're, we're actually recording the remarkable orchestra of Bill Bailey, the, the internal right. orchestra. The internal orchestra, yeah. <laughs> I can sample that, probably. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say, and sorry. I've forgotten what I was going to oh, no, say. Sorry, I, threw, I missed that, you up then. Um, that your parents were were medical people. Yes, which is very interesting. I mean, yeah. were they funny people? Were did I mean? How has your musicality well, and? I mean, my my mum, she was the life and soul. You know, she was a great character. She had great energy. She sang all the time. She loved music. The radio was on all the time. And uh, she would encourage me to play the piano, and it was her really that is through her encouragement that I, I, you know, got to play the piano. We had an upright piano in the front room, and I would sit and play tunes and pick tunes out from the radio. Mm. And it was then I realised I could play the pitch of domestic appliances. You know, <laughs> I, I realised oh that that uh, Hoover's in B flat. Uh, oh yeah, so it is. You know, and then of course when you realise you have a skill like that, well it's not a skill; it's just a kind of innate thing that you have. Mm. Anybody, Anybody, I mean, can, you know, and have don't it. Yeah, realize. that's right. And um, wolves have it even. Ah. Wolves, bats, gerbils. Oh my god! They've all got perfect pitch. Wolves, I think, is because when they howl, oh. they howl at a different pitch to other wolves, so they form a chord. So they never howl at the same pitch. Oh, how so they'll 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 modify the the howl. They'll yes, modulate it to harmonise. Gosh. And um and I don't know why gerbils use it. I mean I'm not that up on gerbils, <laughs> but um I'm guessing it's must something to do with mating calls. You know if you're oh. out in the wild, you know you need to know the perf. And birds of course yeah. have it because they need to know the exact pitch. You know that that pitch is quite off. No, that's <laughs> that's not for me. Um. <laughs> My mum was she um, was very very uh, energetic, encouraged me to sort of play the piano uh, from a very early age. Mm. And my dad was he played the guitar uh, just for just sort of fun. Mm. Um, my grandfather was uh, actually um, in a male voice choir, oh. and he sang in a, in a sort of um, uh, close harmony grip. My uncle sang in a barbershop quintet. Goodness! And so there was a, there was a bit of the von Trapps around, yes. around the piano at Christmas. Brilliant! And uh, so yeah, there was music all around. It was always yeah. something that we we mm. we did as a family. Mm. Um, uh, I guess yeah, that's right. And and you know it was I don't know just something. I, I suppose I spent hours just tinkering around on the piano just. Mm. Copying things, imitating, listening to sounds, playing a lot of jazz. I love listening to old jazz records, um, and uh, it was I, the first time that I realised the power of comedy was playing the piano. Oh, was, really? Was at a, a, after a funeral, and uh, <laughs> it was an elderly aunt, bless her, and um, she was, uh, and there was a sort of my mother, mother had laid on a few you know sandwiches for all the relatives at the house and so everyone was sort of having cups of tea and having sandwiches and it was all quite sort of you know a subdued affair as you as you imagine it would be and anyway I was just a kid you know I was just playing around on the piano and I don't know if you remember the great Les Dawson oh you know. heavens yes Les Dawson he had this he do this wonderful routine because he was quite an accomplished pianist himself absolutely and so he would get things deliberately wrong, yes. you know, dun, 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 and get one note slightly wrong. <laughs> anyway, so I watched this routine and copied it and learnt it. And so I played this routine while the funeral 
you know, sandwiches wake were... with sandwiches were going on. And this is the, what I remember. Why when I realised the power of comedy was that my dad was taking a sip of tea as some elderly relative was telling him about something or other, and he was going, "Yes, yes," mm, like that. And then I just finished, clang, and he went like that, and just all his tea just spat out over this woman, and he went, "Oh goodness, I'm so sorry." And my mother, somebody swore, which was like unheard of in our house, and then. Suddenly there was chaos. It's like this sort of bit of chaos had gone off. Brilliant. I thought, God, that was like a big light bulb moment. Then I That's thought, amazing. Wow. And it's an incredible skill to do that, though, yeah. to intentionally make to a mistake. intentionally get it wrong, because you have to know the, the, the perfect notes yep. to make the, the, yep. you know, the biggest discord, as it were. Yep, yep. And the expression that Les Dawson had, yeah. you know, was, was incredible. Really. <laughs> Did you know that there's an Evelyn Rose... Because there's a, a plant named after is you, it? isn't there? There is. There is. It, well, it's a rose sounds much more... But it's not named after glamorous. me. Glamorous. Oh, is it not? Well, mine's a... Um, mine is a, an carnivorous pitcher plant. Ooh. That uh, It's Nepenthes Bill Bailey. It's a sort of a... You know, those great big sort of tubers, the things that, you know, the, <laughs> that um, they have sort of downward-facing um, kind of uh, little fronds. That uh, all lead into this sort of bowl, which is filled with a sort of enzymes, and the insects oh, land oh. on the edge of these little hairs, and then they slip down and they're consumed by the enzymes. And they thought, "Oh, that says Bill Bailey to me." <laughs> <laughs> this carnivorous Brilliant. thing, I know. So Brilliant. Yeah. But is there anything that you would imagine? I mean, one of the things I noticed is that you know you you're so versatile as regards to picking up any instrument and you know playing that mm. and and which is quite remarkable when you think about it I mean was that something quite intentional or do you just have this curiosity oh I'll, I'll try that you know is, um, is it just it's a bit of that bit of both really I mean I, yeah. I found it's like anything when you when you're when you're a child and you realize that you you have a, a facility for something or an affinity for it you just want to do more of it you know mm. I could play the piano that seemed like I could sort of mm. figure out I went all through the grades and that all seemed to just happen mm. quite straightforwardly and then I taught myself a guitar and then I realised oh yeah I can just play anything I, uh, that I liked you know you could noodle around and try mm. and you know sort of play songs of you like off the radio and then then I just over the years I've, I've always seen instruments as a challenge to try and play, to master, to figure out how they work. I just like the way, I like things that make different sounds, you know, and I always try and incorporate it in the show because I always think that what I want when people come to my shows is to see or hear things that perhaps they wouldn't necessarily hear normally. You wouldn't necessarily hear the theremin being played in this particular concert hall. You wouldn't maybe hear a log drum being played or, a yep. you know, a handpan or a, a, an oud for example, you <laughs> yes. know, you might not ever know what an oud is, yes, and you might never see one ever again. But <laughs> you know, at least you've seen it and know what it is, and uh, it's it, it gives a different dynamic to the performance. Mm. I mean, part of it was I thought that when I first did my Edinburgh shows, I always when I performed at the Edinburgh Festival, I always thought, well, spoken word for an hour it seems an awfully long time. An hour? Are people going to listen for an hour? I need to really break it up with something else. So yeah. that's really why I thought I'd better structure it into different sections. So there's yeah. a guitar section, then a spoken section, then a keyboard section, and that will then sort of give yeah. it a bit of shape. 
and mm. so that's really how that it's sort of become the mm. almost the template for my shows. And you sort of get the feeling that the way that you present it is that you know from an audience point of view, I, I always think, well, I could do that. You, you know what I mean? Yes. Which of course I couldn't, but I mean the fact is that it's it's done in such a way where it's almost flippant. Yeah, but, and I mean that as a as a compliment. But no, that's right. It's it's as a well. Hold on a second. If I maybe just got that object, maybe I could do that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is quite interesting. It, it's like one of the pieces I play, which is called "To the Earth," and it's just basically for fortune flower pots and narration. Mm. And basically, the audience do kind of wonder, well, where does the mu- musician start and stop where does the kind of gardener mm. start and stop you yeah. know what I mean where does the sound creator start and stop mm. and they think well I've got flower pots in my garden maybe I could just you know do yes. that and this this piece obviously is structured but you know we can all do that yeah. y- you know it, it it is all approachable yes. it is all doable very much so and it's interesting you say that because I think that that I've Maybe subconsciously, or or and and also consciously, incorporated audiences into my show. I always want them to be part of the show, but not just in a way of like they're a passive, you know, member of the audience where they listen to the show and that's and they go away. Or even, I don't want to involve them like you know people get people on stage and try and make fun of. Them. I never want to do that. Well, I like to try and incorporate them is with sound by getting audiences. Because I think there's all these people here, you know. There's not there's potential mm. sound here that we I can harness, not just through laughter or through applause, but some because they're all here and everyone's like willing. They're all compliant. We can get, I can try and get them to make other sounds, things that you might not necessarily hear. Like I, I, I used to like getting the audience to clap all at the same time, just one clap, mm. just in unison. <laughs> Oh. And it sounds like, and I said it sounds like a giant breaking a twig. And so so then I would then mime the giant breaking the twig. I go, okay, one, two, three. And it just sounds, and then audiences are, went, wow, we did that. Yeah. How did that happen? That's like a magic trick. But it's not. It's just simple stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's using the that situation. I mean, the thing I do now, uh, I, it, again, came out by, purely by accident. It was in a venue where the audience were almost sort of in a in an amphitheater shape around me so i had sort of people on on three sides and so i and one of the great things about doing comedy uh, is that and i i i mean i do cultivate this as well certain certain things are a big laugh you think okay that's a, that i get to the end of that everyone's going to laugh this one yeah, some people like might get it, but I'm going to keep it in anyway because I like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so you put it in, and then you get this kind of, <laughs> and this is strange, sort of, almost like a, like a Doppler effect yes. of, of of laughter going, <laughs> and, and it sort of goes wave. round you like this. Yeah. And so I thought, God, that's great. I said, let's try that again. I said, but this time we're going to structure it. So I'm going to count you in, and I want you to laugh. Like a Mexican wave, like this, <laughs> and then back the other way, <laughs> and so you, so everyone's sitting there, surrounded by this weird effect yeah. of laughter being sort of washed over them. Yeah. And so then I sort of said, "Let's do another one." So what we did, we did a few, and the one that worked the best was um, expectation and disappointment. So, so 
so the audience, well, I, what I got them to do was, ooh, <laughs> and, and when you hear a, a big group of people doing that, it is just so funny. It's fantastic. So it's yeah. fantastic. It's like people just, you know, it's a sound that we all make. We go, ooh, <laughs> but you hear everyone do that. Yeah. It's like this is, I don't know. You feel part of something. Yeah, it's just yeah. becomes greater than whatever the some of the parts are yeah and so those are the moments that i'm always looking out for yeah and i suppose the lasting effect of that is that when people do genuinely at home or wherever they're at work or whatever you yeah. know go ooh, and then they'll remember oh yeah. gosh yeah yeah <laughs> and that's it changes right. their feeling towards the situation yeah yes exactly um <laughs> and then using technology i did i used to sample audiences i haven't done it for a while but i used to get a microphone and get someone just to say a sound, just any kind of sound, do or any kind of noise, a percussive noise, and then sample it and then play tunes with it <laughs> and then get other people to join in and then get the audience to sort of sing a kind of a, just a note that you can accompany mm. the person with. And suddenly you, you can play a tune accompanied by a choir that's just come from an audience yeah. who knew, really a lot of the time people don't even, are not aware of their own abilities, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you know. Have you played a sandstula? Uh Now, this is the, um, the... Is that what that is? Yes. Well, uh, I've not known it in there's that name. Do you want to pick it up? Yeah. So this is ba- this is like a thumb piano. It is like a thumb but piano. But it's, it's been... It's got a skin. Attached... Well, it's integral to this skin. So, so it has a bit more resonance. And if you pop it on your lap, you All can right. then... All right. Oh, I see. Oh, wow. Oh, you can just like, give it a bit of a wah-wah. It it's amazing. It's it beautiful. And you can play the sort of... You can play the skin... Exactly. As well as the, as well as the tines. Absolutely. Wow. This is a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. What's it called again? Sansula. Sansula. Yep, Sansula. Beautiful name. Yes. Isn't it? Is this something that's is, uh, available in absolutely. all good percussion uh, <laughs> <the> stores? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you can find them on the internet. Of course. If you tap, if, if you, you type, if you type in, in Sansula, and uh, and you'll get different tunings as well. Oh, it's beautiful. It's like a little inter- interlude yes. in like a sort of 60s spy film. <laughs> Dr. Key. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I'd love to show you the instrument collection. Yeah. Would that be possible? Oh, absolutely. Oh, but I'll, I'll give you something to eat first. Okay, then. Yeah, no, Slice of lettuce. I'll be fine. Yeah. Just a little lettuce. Yeah. And an just, olive. Just a few carrot batons. Just one olive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bill, very much indeed. I'd like to say a very special thank you to Audio Network for supporting my podcast. Before you go, I have a question for you. If you could choose five sounds to be on a desert island with, what would they be and why? Share your answers with me on Twitter using the hashtag The Evelyn Glennie Podcast. See you in my next one. <laughs>